0: We began last week looking at Luke, the fourth chapter, and Jesus announces his ministry. And it's more than just buying us salvation on the cross. He comes to do things for us in the here and now. And uh, what we're looking at today is he comes to heal the brokenhearted. The passage that he uses to announce his ministry is Isaiah 61. It's found in the 61st chapter of Isaiah. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's salvation. And we talked about that last week and the acceptable year of the Lord at the end of the passage. And this week he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Now, the word brokenhearted, it's written as one word, but it's a compound word. It's made up of two words put together. In English, we see it that way. And then uh, also, it's two words in uh, Greek as well. In Greek, the two words are, uh, well, let's see, first of all, let's see, it's uh, the word, it's, uh, it's tribo. S U N T R I B O. If you were going to transliterate it into the Greek, into the English alphabet, uh, but it means to break or to shatter in pieces, or to bruise, to break, to shatter into pieces, or bruise. And the word heart is cardia, which we get the word cardiologist and the cardiac unit and and all those sorts of things it refers to the heart and so Jesus is saying that I came to heal those who have had their hearts broken and shattered and bruised now I'm not going to ask you this morning to raise your hands if you have had your hearts broken, because if I did, you would either all raise your hands or some of you would not raise your hand and you'd be lying because everybody has had a time when their heart has been broken or shattered or bruised. And this this is what Jesus came to do. He has told us The heart is the seat of your thoughts, it's the seat of your feelings, it's the seat of your emotions, and that's the way that uh, most theologians define the heart, as in the Bible, is the seat for your emotions. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it seems that you're experiencing things in your head, and other times it's more like you're experiencing them in your heart. It's like sometimes you think with your head and sometimes you think with your heart. Have you ever noticed that, that the heart, there's something deep inside that's involved in your thought process a lot of times. And I don't know if you realize this, but your heart can think. Uh, let me read you some scriptures. First of all, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Not just his mind, but his heart. In Matthew 9, Jesus says, or it says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Now, this is Jesus talking, the one who created us, and he's talking about us thinking in our hearts. Now, I read several accounts last night. I just want to double check this. And it turns out that there are heart transplant patients that have memories from the people that they got their heart from. I, I read several accounts of that. There was a little eight year old girl who had received a heart transplant from a 10 year old girl who had been murdered. And she'd begun having nightmares and in the nightmares she could see this man and she would like, she, what she was doing, she was experiencing what this 10 year old girl went through. She went to, she was taken by her parents to a psychologist and psychiatrist and finally the psychologist had to admit that she was reliving what the donor of her heart had done had been through. And so the police got involved and using descriptions of places and people, they were able to solve a murder because of this little girl experiencing what her heart donor had experienced. Sometimes it's quirky things. It's like they can wind up with the donor's food preferences. There was one extreme case where this young lady was the Big Mac champion. I mean, she was a beef eater par excellence. Her, the recipient of her that the, the donor of the heart that she wound up with was a vegetarian. And after the heart transplant, she could not stand the sight of meat. It would just make her nauseous to look at meat. And so there was this Carrying over, uh, in the heart. Uh, there was a foundry worker, just a good old boy, who wound up with this tremendous preference for classical music because his, uh, his heart donor had really loved classical music. I mean, these things are, they're so different and, uh, and a lot of, most of the time, people do not know who the donor is. They give very little information. And so it took researchers who were given uh extra information to put these things together. Uh, scientists are still trying to figure this out and scratching their heads. But you see, we've already we already know. Your heart can think. Have you ever heard this? I love you with all my pump? No, I love you with all my heart. So, that's what we say to people. Uh but but, but you you, you know, literally you're saying I love you with my pump. Uh but so now there's there's the physiological organ obviously. But there's something inside of us that's deep and it can get hurt and it can get wounded. Would you agree with that? So Jesus comes along and he says, I have come to heal the broken hearted. You know, I spent a year with Cross Ties Counseling Ministry, helping people to discover and experience Jesus healing their broken heart. Uh, as a pastor, I've done a lot of counseling. And then I spent a year just in counseling every week, every week. And I got to practice what I preach and I discovered that it really is true. I ran across this uh, thing this past week. It said uh, I didn't really expect the therapist to say, wow, so many times in our first counseling session. But here we are. Now, as a counselor, one of the things I had to learn to do was not say, you what? You know, and have my hair stand up on end. Just go ahead and receive what, and, and, and take people where they are. Uh, interestingly, I shared that on Facebook, the thing about uh, saying wow so many times. There was one young lady that had been so abused uh, that she wound up, uh, we discovered she had, they used to call it multiple personality. Uh, now they call it, uh, you know, I can't remember the technical word for it now. Uh, but, uh, she would just, she was hurt so bad by her parents as a child that she just retreated into another personality. And, uh, Nobody knew what was going on, but she would lose days on end where she would be this other person whenever she got stressed. Well, I shared this thing on Facebook. This former client of mine spotted it and shared it with others. She is now a counselor, by the way. She is healed and she's a counselor. And uh, uh, so the, you see the Lord healed her broken heart. And he can do the same for you. There's another line in verse 18 that I think also refers to this. In verse 18, it says, To set at liberty those who are oppressed. In King James, it actually says, To set at liberty those who are bruised. To set at liberty, to set free those who have been bruised. This morning... What I want to do for you is to give you just an example or so, and then I want us to take time to pray, asking Jesus to heal your broken heart. Now, just this far along in this message, just talking about have our hearts ever been broken, I'm sure that some of you have already had twinges of, of painful memories. I must say, as I prepared this lesson, this, or this, this message for this morning, uh, I had to step away for a minute just as I reviewed things because, uh, I have quite a few of those things in my own past that I have been healed from. But still, many times there's a sadness that's still there even after you're healed. I had to come down, take a break and mention it to Sharon and, uh, then take a deep breath and dive back in. But uh, I want to give you the opportunity this morning to leave here with part of your heart healed and with the way to get your heart healed. So, you know, if you have a bruise, if you bump it, what happens? It hurts, doesn't it? If you have a bruise, it's going to hurt and it's going to start hurting again if you bump it. It's, and in life it's kind of like this like you're sitting in a room and you're you're all joking around and and then you say something uh, uh, that may sound funny like your mama this or something that and, you know, maybe you got into the insults and stuff like that and then all of a sudden one person just goes huh, and runs out of the room crying and everyone looks at you like why did you do that and you say I didn't know that she was sensitive in that area. And they say, everybody knew she was sensitive in that area. Everybody but me, you know. So, okay, so what you did, you bumped a bruise. It wasn't just what you said. It was what her daddy said to her. It was what her first husband said to her. It was what her boss said to her one time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, some things just stick with you. They don't go away. And you might try to shove them back and to harden your heart or to build walls in that area. But the best thing is to get that area healed, not hardened. And so Jesus came to do just that. In a little bit, I'm going to be asking the Lord to bring some memories to your mind, if he hasn't already, that he wants to heal. And we're going to submit those to the Lord. And I want you to please hear me that uh, you're still going to have the memory, but you're not going to have the pain associated with it anymore. It's incredible, it's phenomenal, and it's true. These things hurt. These things cause wounds. And it's uh, all through Scripture, when you look at Scripture, that the Lord wants to heal your broken heart. Psalm 147, verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Their in the Old Testament, in Psalm 143, the psalmist is talking about Jesus. There's a scripture uh, that you uh, might know from Matthew 12, but we way before Matthew 12, uh, it was in Isaiah 42, where it says, A bruised reed he will not break. That's how gentle the Lord is. And you may feel like a bruised reed. And if he brings a memory up this morning to heal, he's not bringing it up to hurt. He's not bringing it up to break. He's bringing it up to heal and to free you from it. When the Holy Spirit brings up a memory to your mind, it's to heal. I promise you, I've been through this. Uh, big time, myself, several times. One, you know, I, 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 once I came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that healed a lot in me. I had a peace that I'd never had before in life. I was acceptable in the beloved. I didn't have to wear masks. I didn't have to prove things to other people. All I had to do was try to live a life that pleased my Savior. And that was wonderful. But, you know, there's such a thing as spiritual growth. And uh, uh, I like to say you give as much of yourself as you know to as much of God as you understand. And uh, as you grow, you're going to learn more about yourself. The Lord's going to reveal more about yourself to you. Things that maybe you couldn't handle earlier on. Uh things that you're just blind to. And all of a sudden, the Lord helps you to start see seeing what's going on. And uh, anyway, he he will uh, bring things up that need to be dealt with. And uh, sometimes, well, he's, like I said, he's gentle. He doesn't overwhelm us with stuff. He brings it up gently. And uh, anyway, that's spiritual growth. With me, I'd come to know the Lord. I knew I was supposed to forgive people. I had forgiven everybody of everything that I could possibly think of. And it set me free. I developed a whole process for forgiveness uh, to help me and other people to forgive what I call problem people. You know, those people that uh, maybe their family members, they walk in one door, of the, one room, uh, one door of the room. And you walk out the other because you may have to be there in the house, but you don't have to be in the room with them. And so uh, there are those people, those people that uh, maybe have a hard time going to sleep at night just thinking about them. And that's weird because you see, in that case, the person that you want to think about the least is dominating your life. So anyway, I wound up in a spot where I had done all this, and yet there were times when I'm not going to details, but I love to cook. But whenever I was cooking, if somebody came around, uh, I'd get in a bad mood and I'd bark at people that lifted uh, lids on pots and stuff like that. So bad that I, we passed a rule. Everybody stay out of the kitchen while dad's cooking and eventually somebody come in. But uh, anyway, it was uh, one of these things where I would start out going to fix these, fix my family a gourmet meal. It's going to be wonderful. By the time I was over, everybody wished I just stayed out of the kitchen <laughs> just because it was me. Uh, anyway, uh, another and working on cars. Anyway, I, I, I read in a book called. Inside Out by Larry Crabb, that if you wind up having uh, outbursts of anger, getting into bad moods in certain situations uh, that are out there, these bad moods and outbursts of anger are dispropor- reactions disproportionate to what's going on. It could be that you have some sort of deep hurt. Some deep sorrow or sadness that hasn't been dealt with. It could be your broken heart just hasn't been healed. And I wanted, to, I was a pastor. I wanted to be nice to everybody. I wanted to do the right thing. And here I was not able to do that. And I prayed about it one night. And, and just as I was going to sleep, all of a sudden the Lord brought a memory of me under a car at the service station working. Well, I grew up working at my dad's service station. And my dad has just barked something at me from the front of the bay. And I'm underneath working on probably checking somebody's rear axle with my hands up like this. And I'm just doing a slow burn because he's getting on to me about something I didn't need to be gotten on about. That was just my dad. He did that sort of stuff. Well, and then right after that, another memory of me standing on a dirt road beside the service station. Whenever I was a kid, I was not really very coordinated. And, uh you know, painful memories. Uh, my mom put me in ballet class <laughs> to try to get me coordinated. So then not only am I not coordinated, but I'm in a class where I'm the only boy, and there's all these girls, and I'm having to do pirouettes. It was awful. Oh man, terrible. So uh, there was that, and then uh, anyway, so I wasn't very coordinated, and uh, I couldn't throw, couldn't catch. I noticed that my buddies could all throw and catch. I wanted to throw and catch, and I asked him, said, "You do that so well." How did you learn how to do that?" and to a person they all said, "My dad taught me." And so I decided this is something I needed from my dad. I needed him to teach me how to throw and catch. And so I brought my 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 my, my catcher's mitt or my bought my glove and my ball to the station and asked my dad if sometimes he could teach me how to throw and catch and he just Got up and said, "Come on." We walked around to the side of the station. It was a dirt road in Cleveland, Texas. At that time, wasn't a lot of traffic. So uh, anyway, we're there. He threw the ball at me a couple of times, and I couldn't catch it. He, he told me to throw it back to him. I couldn't throw it, and then he just started yelling at me and berating me for being so dumb and stupid. And then he turns around. And he's walking off, yelling at me at how stupid and dumb I am. And uh, I'm standing there about nine years old, I guess, with tears in my eyes because I had gone out there with my dad. So filled with anticipation and joy. My dad's going to do something with me. And my dad's going to he's going to teach me how to throw and catch. So I'm and catch like these other guys. And so here I stand with tears in my eyes and two thoughts came to mind. I thought, first of all, there's something wrong with this picture. You're yelling at me and tell me how dumb and stupid I am for not being able to do something that I asked you to teach me how to do. That's not right. And I realized then that I could not count on my dad that if I was going to learn anything, i was going to have to learn from other people i was going to have to teach myself well i learned a lot from uh helpers at the station and from uh uh just reading books and uh became very and i finally did get coordinated i got coordinated enough to be on the texas a m judo team but uh it, it just was slow coming but uh, still not real coordinated, but coordinated enough. But anyway, so that's, that's, that's that. So I stood there and all of a sudden the Lord just let me see, this is your deep sorrow or sadness. I'd forgiven him for all the things that he had done. I'd forgiven him for being who and what he was. What I had not forgiven my father for was not being the father that I wished he had been. And there are a whole lot of us, if you're honest, that your parents weren't the parents that you wished they had been. And I realized I'd been going through all of my reaction interactions with my dad, even though this is like 40 years later, I was still trying to reclaim something from the past with my dad. And I had to realize we can't go back. I can't be nine years old again. I can't get my dad to change. That That's over. It's done. And so, and let's face it, there are a lot of people that have things like this with their parents. Do you remember the story, the, the movie, Field of Dreams? At the very end of that story, at the movie, what he's doing, he's playing catch with his dad. Wow, my eyes got really red when I saw that because I was bruised, didn't even realize it, and that show hit a bruise. But the Lord came to heal the brokenhearted. He revealed that to me so I could be healed from it. If you have things like that with your parents and uh, an unclaimed uh, uh, where you can't, you realize, first of all, you have to accept the fact you cannot change the past. You can't change it, but you can forgive them for not being who you wish they'd been. Love them for who they are or were. Grieve your past. Sometimes it's a harsh realization that you're never going to be able to change this. Grieve your past and let it be in the past so that you can live in the present and look forward to the future free from these things that are behind you. That's what Jesus came to do. Free us from our past so we can live in the present and look forward to the future. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can get started today. I had a phone call one night at two o'clock in the morning from a man that was supposed to be out with my son on a camping trip. And uh, I, when I recognized his voice, I asked him what was wrong. And he said, "Oh Joel, I wish I could tell you," and started crying. My first thought was something horrible has happened to my son. And so I, uh, I, uh, I, I asked him, what, 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 "Is Joel okay?" He said, "Oh Joel, oh, oh Joel, it's not, it's not your son. It's me." He'd left my my son with some other other men that were out there on the camping trip as well. He had come into town because he just couldn't stand himself even, anymore. So he came to the parsonage about 2.30 that morning, and we and he shared with me how he was a scoutmaster, and all these young men that he had in his troop were such fine young men, and they all looked up to him so. And he had been in Vietnam, and he had done things there that he was so ashamed of. He couldn't sleep at night from hearing the screams of Of children and women that he had done horrible things to his past and the war haunted him and it was just killing him and on top of that these young men looked up to him and every time they looked at him with respect it just killed him he couldn't live with it anymore and so we we talked about this sort of thing and about how the Lord does give us a future and a present and frees us from our past. That night in Jacksonville, Texas, that man knelt at the couch in our parsonage living room. And that couch became the foot of the cross. And he laid that burden of guilt and shame right there at the foot of the cross. And then he got up and he did like this... And I said, what you doing? And he said, I just took off that load of sin. And I'm just leaving it here at the foot of the cross of Jesus. The man was healed that night. He could sleep after that. He had other issues, but not near what he'd had before. (sighs) Jesus heals the broken hearted. He saves us, but he also helps us in the here and now. He's just not going to get you into heaven. He wants to help you in your life here on earth. You don't have to live with the pain that you're living with. And let's face it, it is supernatural. We serve a supernatural Savior. Salvation is supernatural. Healing a broken heart is a supernatural act of God. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the Lord to bring memories to your hearts and to your minds that he wants healed today. And there may be some pain with some of them. And then we're going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And uh, I'd like for everybody to pray it. We pray it, whether you feel you need to or not. Just say it so that everybody will feel comfortable praying it. And uh, then we're going to, I'm asking you to appropriate by faith what Jesus has already done for you on the cross. It's the same way you got saved, but we're appropriating that he's going to heal your broken heart as well. So I want to go through this prayer just a bit with you so you'll understand what you're praying the first part almighty father i submit these memories to you and i ask you to heal me now from all the stress and to give me holy forgetfulness now we're going to talk about holy forgetfulness in just a moment i choose now by an act of my will to forgive and that's very important uh and uh, I want you to know that to uh, uh, forget and to be healed in Jesus' name. Holy forgetfulness doesn't mean that you're not going to have a memory anymore. You know, the Bible says that God has chosen not to remember our sins. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have the memory of your sins anymore is that he has chosen not to bring them up ever again and to not use them against you. And so that's what you're going to do. You're going to choose. You'll still have these memories, but the pain won't be there and you're not going to be bringing them up and beating yourself up over them anymore. And then when we say, I choose to forgive, that means I choose to forgive any person associated with this memory. Now, I want you to listen. This is important. This includes yourself, because we did things. Some of us did things, some things in in our past that we're very shameful of. And we might have that memory come up. But when we submit it to the Lord, we're actually choosing to release ourselves from that because some of us made a mistake 30 years ago. Some of us intentionally did something 20 years ago, and we still beat ourselves up about it today. So we're choosing to forgive others. We're choosing. It's a choice to forgive ourselves. Now, the word forgive means to release. Okay. So, all right. I want you to, do is just to close your eyes and the reason i'm asking you to close your eyes uh, is not to manipulate you but so that you can tune out whatever is going on around you and i'm going to ask the holy spirit to bring memories to your mind and then i'll lead us in this prayer and then i'll pray a confirming prayer and so let's pray Holy Spirit, I ask you right now in Jesus' name to please bring memories to the minds of my brothers and sisters that you want to heal today in Jesus' name. Now, brothers and sisters, I I want you to know you don't have to fight against this, but you also don't have to try to conjure up something. Just allow the Lord to let the memories come to the surface that he wants to come. Some of you might think that they're painful, but it may be that they remind you uh, of something. Or that maybe that they're not painful, but they may remind you of something else that gets to the root of a memory. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to bring memories, maybe from childhood, maybe things that were said, maybe abuse, maybe verbal abuse. Maybe physical abuse, maybe sexual abuse. Lord, I ask you to bring embarrassing memories that the that the enemy has jumped on. Hurtful, harmful memories. Maybe memories of being abandoned or rejected or, or made fun of. Maybe memories of mistakes that we've made that we've never been able to let go of or release or forgive. Maybe, Lord, you're bringing memories of things that we said to our spouse. Maybe, Lord, someone said something like, if it weren't for the kids, I'd be gone now. And we regret saying that. Maybe we said something to one of our children and we regret it so much. Lord, I want to remind my brothers and sisters, I'm not asking you to do this so that we feel bad or so that we are hurt, but so that we can submit these to you and you can heal the brokenhearted. And that's us. We're the ones that have been bruised and shattered. And according to Luke 4, this is something you do. You heal the brokenhearted. And so Holy Spirit, will you bring memories to our minds right now? I'm talking about every person listening to me at this moment. Will you bring memories to our minds that you want to heal? And Lord, we know that salvation is done through the blood of the cross. And yet, Lord, we know that you also continue to minister to us and continue to set us free as we grow in you. And so that's what we're asking for today. We're asking you, Lord, that you do exactly what you said you would do in Luke 4 and Isaiah 61. I'm asking you to heal the broken, the shattered, and the bruised places in our lives today. So Lord, will you bring those memories to our minds right now? And I want to ask you just to repeat this prayer with me, brothers and sisters in Christ. Almighty Father, Father. I submit these memories to you. I ask you to heal me now from all the stress and give me holy forgetfulness I choose now by an act of my will to forgive to forget and to be healed In Jesus' name. And now I want to continue praying a confirming prayer here. Lord, I want to agree with my brothers and sisters right now. I agree right now in Jesus' name that these memories are healed by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name. And I speak to the souls of my brothers and sisters. And I say, be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. And I speak to all stress associated with these memories and I command you to go in Jesus name. And I speak to all spirits that attach to these memories, all spirits of inferiority and insecurity or pride or anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment or malice or envy or jealousy or embarrassment or humiliation or shame. I speak to every demonic spirit that has attacked my brothers and sisters through these memories and I command you to go in Jesus' name and I declare that you can never again use these memories against my brothers and sisters as they are healed today in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. In Jesus' name, amen.